Hey, you're listening to Aaron Walker, president and founder of Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind with my good friend, John Hewlin on Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is Relationships and Revenue, the show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. So thrilled that you decided to spend some of your time with me today. And I don't take that for granted because I know it is your most precious resource. As you heard in the introduction, I have the one and only Aaron Walker. How are you, my friend? Hey, John. Thanks for having me on your show today, man. I'm fired up. Well, good. I am so excited to have you here today. I have wanted to have you on for a very long time. And I can't wait for you to share some of the insights from your life with our audience. So just to let you folks know a little bit about Big A, as many folks call him, he is not only the president and founder of Iron Sharpens Iron Masterminds, but he's also a speaker, he's a podcaster, he is clearly an entrepreneur. And let's see, you have created the Mastermind Playbook. Oh, you wrote a little thing called View from the Top. I have the book right here for those of you who are watching this. It's a fantastic book, by the way. And he has at least three other titles that I'm pretty sure he holds most dear. And those are husband, dad, and grandpa. Yeah, no question about it. We could have left off everything else and thrown those <laughs> in there. Probably just the grandkids would have been just fine. But hey, I'll take all that. Thank you for that warm introduction, man. I appreciate that. You bet. You bet. So, Big A, really what we would love to know, first of all, is take us back in time. We really want to know more about your story, kind of how you got your start into things and what led you to where you are with Iron Sharpens Iron. Yeah. Thank you, John. I appreciate that. First of all, I really like the name of your show, Relationships and Revenue, because they're inseparable. You know, oftentimes people ask me, how do you separate business from your personal life? Well, you don't because they're intertwined, right? They're so ingrained that there's no way. So you developing strong relationships and teaching people how to do that around their profession is really cool. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, I'll take you way back just for a moment. I'll try not to stay there long, but just to give you context a little bit to my life. I'm a native Nashvilleian, Nashville, Tennessee, been here 61 years. We're three generations deep here in Nashville, Tennessee. I love Nashville. It's a great city. Everybody else loves Nashville right now too. I think it's the number one destination city in the country. Wow. And so uh, it's getting pretty crowded here, but I still love it, man. We live out in the country, got a little track about eight acres back in the mm. woods and Robin and I just really enjoy it. Robin is my wife of 41 years this year. And I'm Congrats. proud to say that we have two beautiful daughters and five grandchildren. Uh, I get to spend a lot of time with them each and every day because they live about five minutes from me. So <laughs> we get to go to church together. We live in the same community. Uh, one of my daughters is the COO of our company. And so we just spend a lot of quality time together. But John, to take you back, I grew up a very poor individual. My dad was a great man. He was just a terrible business person. 
Mm. He loved to hunt and fish. He didn't care anything about making money, but as I grew older, I wanted a little different. I wanted to be able to buy some of the nicer things and mm. be able to give money away and be able to have a little more financial stability in my life. So when I was 18 years old, I met a couple of guys that had a lot of money. I needed mm. it because I didn't have any, we formed a partnership and we opened a business. Mm. And so Robin and I got married two weeks out of high school and I got her to the side one day and I said, listen, we may never get this chance again. Let's really take advantage of it. So John, we lived on a very meager salary, about $18,000 a year. And we poured all the money back into the company. We had a 10 year loan. We paid it off in 36 months. So we took that money and we opened another store and then another, and then another, and it grew. Mm. And then when I was 27, a company out of Fort Worth, Texas contacted me and they wanted to buy my company. They're a fortune 500. Mm. So they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And so there I found myself retired at age 27. And that worked out well for about 18 months until Robin woke me up one day from a nap. She said, listen, this is not what I signed up for. You're getting in the bed in the middle of the day. You've gained 50 pounds in 18 months. And I don't think this is going to serve you or me well, long-term. Mm. So she encouraged me to go back to the company I started with when I was 13 years old, I bought the company. We grew it four times the size it was over the next 10 years. I had an unbelievable schedule until August the 1st, 2001. When I ran over and killed a pedestrian on my way to the office one morning, and it absolutely put a stake in the ground. It was like, oh my gosh, what in the world just happened? I retired again for the second time and took five years off, really had to do some soul searching, making sure I wasn't doing some of the wrong things relationally and making sure that my ladder wasn't leaning against the wrong wall. And, uh, really worked through that. What I figured out through that, John, is that I had a great measure of success financially, but I didn't have any significance in my life. And so what I started doing was really focusing outward rather than inward. And from that time, 20 years ago, I've owned multiple businesses. And then 11 years ago, I retired for the third and final time. Robin said, I've retired more than the law allows. I retired and <laughs> in a mastermind group that I meet with Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and Ken Abraham, some other names that people may or may not recognize. They may never heard of any of those names. They encouraged me to start coaching and John, I didn't want to just to be honest with you. I said, no, I'm going to go down to the Caribbean and kind of forget it. And Dan Miller really took me to task on that. He said, listen, you've been married at that time, over 30 years, you've owned 12 companies. I think you could really add a lot of value to other people. And I really pushed back on it. And Dave Ramsey invited me as his guest to the Entree Leadership Mastery Series. And I went through that, went through Dan Miller's program out at the sanctuary. And Dan texted me that night on my way home. We all live here in Nashville. He said, did you see the way the people were leaning in at your table? They were really listening to what you had to say. And I said, well, maybe I'm just a good storyteller. And he said, no, <laughs> he said, you've got something valuable to say because you've been successful in a couple of different arenas. And I really think you should consider coaching. So a couple of guys reached out to me. I started coaching them, small business owners. And then I started doing podcast interviews and our business just exploded. There was no way I could coach all these persons individually. So we started iron sharpens iron mastermind today. I'm proud to announce that we have about 150 members. We have about 18 groups and we're in seven different countries now. 
And so I get to spend my time each and every day helping other people become extremely uh, successful and significant in their own right. Nice. Oh, man. There's... (laughs) There's so much in that. And I know that you really gave the condensed, extremely condensed version of that history there. Uh, there's 43 so years packed in there in that three minutes. And so it's <laughs> right, kind of hard right. to give too many details. Oh, I get that. You know, one of the things, cause I've, I've heard you share those details before. And one of the things that I've wondered is, um, going back to probably the most traumatic of all the things that you mentioned was mm-hmm. the accident. How did you work through that and get to a place where you feel like you can not only live with yourself, but you could actually contribute again? Because I've tried several times to put myself in your shoes and I've never, that's never happened to me. And so I, it's hard for me to relate completely to that. Yeah. Well, everything was going so good at that time. You know, I was 40 years old at the time and I was working three days a week. We had a beautiful home here in Nashville. We had another little vacation home we shared with a couple of guys down in Destin, Florida. Mm. And I was able to go to all the activities of my kids at their school. And I was able to fish and hunt and take plenty of time off. And it was, I tell people, it was like living in utopia. You know, it was just Hmm. perfect. And then out of nowhere, and even in my book, I talk about it. I was kind of blindsided. It came out of nowhere. It's like, it wasn't my fault. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was just going down the road. He didn't see me and he ran out in front of me to catch a bus. Uh, and I never gotten any trouble or anything, but still it was somebody's dad. It was somebody's husband. Right. And it was really tough to be honest with you. And I worked about two or three weeks after that and the pressure just mounted. And I was like, man, am I, am I chasing money? Am I just chasing fame or am I chasing, what, what am I chasing? Like, what am I doing? And so it, it really made me reflect because I've been working since I was 13 years old every day. Yeah. And, uh, I finally went to my partner and I said, listen, I'm tired of chasing money. That's what I'm doing. And I'm going to retire. And so I did started going to a counselor Flint Floyd Dawson here in Nashville. And then I had a lot of good, close friends, people at my church really surrounded me and helped me work through that. It was difficult just to be honest. I mean, I don't mind telling you it was hard to work through that. I mean, you don't lightly get over taking the life of another individual. I mean, I think in second guess, could I have swerved? Could I have hit the brakes harder, you know? And then I think, well, what if I had turned right out of the driveway instead of left out of the driveway and I wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. doing it. So you second guess all these things. And the truth is, is if I had turned right instead of left, I may have had an accident and killed myself. You know, you just never know. Life just deals us things that we never know. And it's very unfortunate, but I do think that God took a very unfortunate circumstance and really made me dive deeply into myself and really uh, reflect deeply to say, is your ladder leaning on the wrong wall? I mean, are you really trying to scratch the itch with something that's not ultimately going to scratch the itch? Mm-hmm. And is it something that you want to keep building this empire just for your family? Or do you really want to think about giving back and helping other people be significant? And so it was a transformational experience for me because I quit looking inward. I started looking outward. Now, let me tell you the irony of that. What happened is that we started being much more significant in the lives of other people. It's like, now I'm like trying to help other people accomplish their goals and their dreams. And what's funny is 
that we're probably as or more successful financially now than we've ever been in our career. And isn't it funny when you do the right thing and you connect the people and you help them accomplish their goals and dreams at how it comes back in spades to you. And so it's really what we teach people today, have an abundance mindset, not a scarcity mindset, really think about your colleagues and peers and other family members and really try to live a life giving back. And it just always comes back to you. Sure. Now, based upon something you just said, it, it, it prompted another question talking about this idea of significance and trying to help others become who they say they want to become. Have you ever found it challenging to get that out of people? Because yeah. I know with the coaching that I do sometimes, there's the thing that people tell me that they want initially, and then there's the thing that they really need. And many times those don't match up, but they can't see it right away. Yeah. How do you go about doing that, about pulling that out of people? I think first and foremost, John, that we've got to do a real personal assessment ourselves. We've got to really dive deep and really uncover what's there. I think a lot of people say the right things because it's the right thing to say. Mm. I don't think they necessarily want to put the energy and the effort forward in order to get the things that they're saying, because it's difficult. People are always telling me, oh man, my first priority is my family until I really dive deep into their calendar. And they find out that they're spending a minimal amount of time with their family. Oh, listen, it's most important to me and I've got to be there and I've got to do this. And I'm like, really, I'm, you're missing your little boy's baseball practice. And you're not at your little girl's piano recital and you're not taking your wife on date nights and you're not spending time with your family each and every night at dinner, uh, really helping them work through challenges. And your little boy comes up and says, Hey dad, let's go out and throw the football. And you say, Hey, as soon as I get through with this last email, I will. And then you look up and it's dark and you miss that opportunity. So I would just suggest that we're not putting the big rocks in first. We're not really being honest with ourselves. Like we got to spend a minute here, John, because this is a difficult place to be because we're, we're trapped in this. We want to be successful. We want to provide for our company and it takes, uh, I mean, uh, provide for our family and it takes time at the company. It takes time at our work in order to do that. But what we do is, is that we, we create this environment we leverage ourselves to a position to where we have to do these things. Now we buy a bigger house than we really can afford. We buy two or three cars that we really can't pay for. We take vacations that we really didn't save for. We're sending our children to school that we really shouldn't be doing. And then we find ourselves trapped. We've got these golden handcuffs, right? They, we have to do these things now, rather than having a little margin in your life where you're not fully leveraged and maybe two cars would do instead of three, or maybe one less vacation. I don't know whatever it is for you, but what we're doing is we're sending mixed signals to our family. You're saying you really want to be here and you really want to spend time with me, but the vast majority of your time is away. And so I would just encourage everyone to take a few moments and really do a deep dive and say, am I doing that? Is big A telling me something <laughs> that I need to hear or no, I'm good. If you're good, that's great. But if you're not, you need to reevaluate because we only get one go through with that family. You don't get a do over. Like you get one shot to raise those children. Yep. You can start other companies, you can make more money. And I always tell people, if you're going to cheat anybody, cheat the company, I'd rather you do that because you can go back, you can make more money. 
And what I also encourage people on a daily basis is, is that money and things are not going to scratch the itch. Like you think they're going to anywhere. And I'm speaking from experience. Oh yeah. And we do that at the great cost of coming home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. And we find out that you may end up with some of those resources, but you don't know your spouse, you don't know your children, and you've got a community that's right there at home that you don't even uh, volunteer or participate in. So I just want everybody to take that evaluation first, and then you can go forward with some of your decision-making. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh yeah. You know, that made me think, um, if you see, I know other folks, this is the background and I, it's intentional that I have my behind me. It's a picture of me with my kids and there is someone missing from those pictures and it's my ex-wife. I've been divorced for almost 12 years now. And I will tell you, Big A, my divorce was preventable mm. as most of them are. Um, I have very little patience for men who throw their marriages away because they're not paying attention to what's going on. You happen to mention date night. It's a hot button for me. I tell guys all the time, date night is now yours. You need to own it, men. It's your job to figure out what you're doing, where you're going, make sure the children are properly taken care of. Now, if you don't tell guys that, they'll plop them down in front of the TV, watching whatever streaming service they have and say they're good to go. It's like, no, that's not properly taken care of. But all your job is to make sure that it's all taken care of. So all she has to do is show up and look beautiful. That's it. That's her job. You take care of all that. And I get pushback sometimes. And this is kind of the interesting part. It's, it's guys who push back and say, well, John, you don't remember what it was like when we were dating because we did all these elaborate dates and stuff. And she doesn't know how much that costs. I say, whoa, 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 hold on. You're assuming she's stupid. Yeah. That she has no idea how much that stuff. She knows exactly how much that stuff costs. And now we have the same pool of money that we're going from. I was like, okay. If money's really a problem, and I don't think it is most of the time, Big A, I'll tell you the truth, yeah. I don't. But if it is, I always give them two ideas to start off with. One's free, one costs a dollar. Mm -hmm. The free one is, again, making sure the children are properly taken care of. Go for a leisurely walk in your neighborhood. This is not exercise. We're just walking together. And we're talking about stuff. You're talking about stuff that's going on with you on the inside. So we're not talking about the kids. We're not talking about the bills. We're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking about hopes and dreams. Having her share the same things. Where do we want to be as a couple? Six months, a year, five years from now. That kind of stuff. The other idea that costs a dollar, you hop in the car, you go to McDonald's, you get a soft serve cone, and you share it together. Pretty simple. They just want to spend time. They yes, absolutely. Together, right? Right. There's so many opportunities out there. You know, what's funny is, is we wine and dine them when we're dating and then we get married and all that stops. And you wonder why the romance is not what it used to be. You wonder how come they're not interested. You wonder because we need to be taking care of them on a daily basis and treat mm. them like royalty because they are. Robin and I will celebrate our 42nd wedding anniversary coming up and it's not been all roses, no marriage yet. We all have trials. We all have situations that we have to work through, but you commit to that. So I love your idea. Hey, take a walk, go down to McDonald's, do what Robin and I do a lot. We go out to the opera land hotel, you know, let oh, them, yeah. let them, uh, provide all the beauty and the, mm -hmm. uh, the flowers and things. And we just walk through the hotel and we'll sit around and talk, drink coffee, go to Starbucks, mm -hmm. have a little meal together there. And you're back home. Yeah. Although when you get my age, you know, date night is every night, you know, because the kids there are gone. Go. 
there's nobody here. And so we get an opportunity yeah, to do that regularly. Yeah. But Hey, go out there and date your spouse, go out there and make it special. Oh yeah. You know, and it's for guys, you know, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. It's this whole idea of, you know, being able to talk about the deeper things, you know, the stuff I try to tell guys, look, when you share that stuff with your wife, that is her relational oxygen. She needs that to exist in the relationship. If you don't give that to her, you are killing her. Yeah. That's how important it is. And then they, they push back. It's like, well, John, I'm not wired up that way. Garbage. People are relational. We've been fed a lie as boys growing up into men that somehow this idea of emotions and feelings is female-only domain. That's ridiculous. Mm. If you don't know how to do it, guess what? It's a new skill set. You can learn how to do it. Because if it was your job and your boss or your new client said, look, we're changing gears. This is what you have to know. If you don't know this by this date, we're done. You would do it. It's the same thing. And this is way more important than that. Great resource out there. It's a book called Love and Respect. And uh, go check that book out. You know, women need love, men need respect. And the book gives you great pointers on getting there. So, yeah, thank you for diving into that. That was good. Love that. Love that. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book. Yeah. So, as I said, I've got a copy right here. Mm. View from the top, Living a Life of Significance. So what prompted the book? Uh, yeah. You know, who is it for? And do you have any plans for ones in the future? Yeah. Yeah. Great. All great questions. First of all, I'll be totally transparent as I always am. I didn't want to write the book at all. <laughs> I did not want to do it because I knew how much work was going to be involved in it. And then I started thinking, who's going to read it? And so I'm sitting there in our mastermind group. Dave Ramsey was to my right. He had written 10 or 12 books at the time. Ken Abraham said at my left, he's the world's most notorious ghost writer. He's written over a hundred books mm. and Miller sitting across the table from me in 48 days to the work you love. And he's written six or eight books. And I said, who would read my book? Like nobody's going <laughs> to want to read my book anyway. And then another guy in the group, Ken Davis spoke up and Ken Davis is a renowned speaker and he's an author himself. And he said, no, 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 no. Hold on, Aaron. Hold on. He said, you're looking at it all wrong. I said, what do you mean? He said, if one life was changed as a result of reading that book, is it not worth it? And I said, you're dead gum right. It's worth it. So I took 18 months and I wrote the book and I'm very raw in the book. I talk about the way I was brought up. I talk about a time in my life where I literally thought about killing a guy that had really done me wrong. And I'm so embarrassed to admit that today, but it's mm. true. And I even had an opportunity to do it. I talk about it in the book and how I later went and forgave him and told him on the side of the interstate. And I won't spoil it for you, but there was a point in time where uh, I really, really was going to make a bad decision. I share that the book is for people that really think that just having financial success is all they're after until I really talk about even the automobile accident in the book. When I talk about it, it came out of left field, like I was blindsided and how I took that and really revamped my life. And so I really changed the paradigm shift of my life as a result of that accident. So I just share, it's a little bit of a memoir, a little bit of my story along the way, 
But I talk a lot about grit, determination, and perseverance. I've got a high school education. I didn't go to college, but uh, the Lord's been really good to me. I'm Christian by faith, and so I say all good things came from the Father above. And I talk about that in the book as well. And listen, if I can do it, if I can have the level of success and significance that I have, anybody can do it. Like, I mean, like no formal education, and I've owned 14 businesses. Uh, as of the publishing of this podcast. And so it's been a fun journey, but you've got to have that level of determination and grit and perseverance. You've got to not allow anybody to say you can't do something. The first chapter in my book is titled can't, couldn't do it and could did it all. And what's behind that is, is my mom would not allow me to say the word can't. She would say, you might not be able to do it, but you're going to try. And as a result of her pushing me to do things, I built up this, you know, self-awareness that there are things that I can accomplish and it built this self-esteem that I had to go forward. And so today I've got this mindset of, Hey, I can do that. What is it you'd like for me to do? It's I have that confidence void of arrogance, but it is nonetheless confidence because my mom instilled that quality in me as a young man. So I just walk you through several principles in life. Mm. There's sections in there called lean in to where I really highlight the chapters and you can get the big takeaways. So yeah, if you get a chance, go to Amazon. It's called viewfromthetop.com is the website. You can order it there. You can order it on Amazon and, uh, Hey, don't forget to leave me a review. If you read it, I love those reviews. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is a fabulous book. I have given it away several times. So. Uh, that's actually a practice, uh, that I have big a, anytime I buy a book, I buy at least two copies of the book and I'm prepared to give one away. I learned the hard way, uh, lending books to people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They tend to not find their way back Yeah. rather than get angry about that. I just buy an extra copy and I give it away and I tell somebody it's yours. You can have it forever. If you want, read it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to pass it along to somebody else. Yeah. John, you know what I'm going to do? I don't know that I've ever done this on a podcast. If your listeners want a copy of that book, if you'll just pay me the postage, I'll give you the book. All you got to do is email wow. me at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at viewfromthetop.com and tell me you heard this show, you know, relationships and revenue podcast. And, uh, just pay for the postage and I'll give you the book. How's that? Oh my gosh. That's so generous. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Very generous. Wow. Okay. Matt. Wow. I'm super excited now. That just, that makes me think, all right, how many more people can I give copies to? <laughs> all right. So take us a little bit deeper. Now you're also a podcaster, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Now we, uh, we actually do something really fun that I think your listeners may be interested in. It's called Tuesday noon dot live L I V E okay. Tuesday noon dot live. And what I do is, uh, every single Tuesday at noon, Tuesday noon dot live, uh, I teach and I help you with life's principles. Some of the landmines that I've been able to dodge some of the principles that I've instilled in others to help them become very successful and it's free. I don't charge wow. anybody to come to this and it's interactive. You can ask questions. You can come onto the zoom call and it's kind of like a coaching call with me every single week. Yeah. 
but I'm walking you through my journey. I'm helping you understand how to get unstuck, how to go through transition that you may be faced with, mm-hmm. how to enlist accountability in your life. So if your listeners want to participate in that again, I'm going to do that for free. Just go to tuesdaynoon.live, sign up, uh, and we'll see you on the call. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Now, folks, I hope you were paying attention to what Big A was just saying there because it's an opportunity to get coached by Big A. Not that that isn't a great opportunity anytime because it is, Mm. but you get it for free and it's interactive. So it's not like you're watching it having already happened. You can participate in the process. Oh, my gosh. Man, that's super exciting. I, as soon as we're done, I'm going to be signing up. So <laughs> Good deal. Good deal. Love to see <laughs> That's you. very exciting. Yeah. So take us into this, as folks who are watching this can see the ISI, the Iron Sharpens Iron behind you. Sure. What prompted you to start that and this emphasis, at least initially, on helping men get better? Yeah. Well, I appreciate the question. I have to be honest again. I didn't want to do that either. (laughs) I didn't want to write the book because I knew it was going to be hard. And then when, uh, Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller encouraged me to coach John Lee Dumas on entrepreneur on fire, gave me an opportunity to be his guest. And I did. And immediately I had like 15 one-on-one clients and I couldn't coach everybody individually. And the people kept coming and I'm like, what am I going to do with all these people? And because I've been in Dave Ramsey's mastermind group, I really had a firm grasp on how to do mastermind groups and have groups of 10 people. And so I said, you know what? I'm going all in. And so we started groups and then I started doing podcast interviews. And then I was on Pat Flynn's show, Smart Passive Income, filled up two groups in 30 minutes on one podcast interview and people kept coming. And I'm like, man, I got to keep expanding. So (laughs) here we are now we're headed to uh, 30 groups is uh, what our goal is to have, but we've formed a community. And out of that, my wife asked me one day, she said, what about the women? And I said, what about the women? She said, we need to start a group for the women. And so my (laughs) daughter is the director, Brooke, she's the director over the women's division. And so we have an opportunity for the wives of the men that are in ISI to participate as well. So now we've got families that are growing both sides, right? Mm-hmm. There's things that the women need to learn as well as the men, because we all want to grow personally and professionally. Sure. And so it's just turned out to be something that wasn't initially planned. But as I said earlier, God just kept sending us these incredible people. And now we have people literally all over the world that participate. And John, we've had people meeting in the same groups for six and seven years. And their lives are just exponentially better. Their businesses are growing. It's just absolutely insane at what we've seen and the partnerships that are being formed, the resources, people are coming in and investing money with one another. I mean, it's turned out to be its own community. Nice. Now you're still participating in that original mastermind group, correct? Yeah, I'm so I still lead. I lead seven of the groups, right? I'm in every single week and I do lead seven of those groups. Okay. Now, are you still in the mastermind with Ken Davis? No, 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 we're not now. No, we met, we met for a dozen years. We met for a dozen years and we thought, Hey, we've got to go out and multiply ourselves and kind of spread the love, right? We got to go out and engage other people and share things that we've learned, you know, it would be pretty selfish, quite honestly, for men of the caliber that was in that group 
to hoard that knowledge and wisdom and experience and not share it in their communities and do things uh, like we've been able to do at Iron Sharpens Iron. That's a good point. Uh, that it's funny you say it that way. It makes me think of um, I have a I have a background in ministry uh, outside of outside of children's ministry, music ministry. There isn't a job in a church I haven't done. So, <laughs> and it it makes me think of those folks who you know it's us for and no more. You know, and they're not interested in reaching out to other folks. So that's made me think of that. And speaking of which, you've you've said more than once, uh, you you've talked about your faith. And so I'm curious, what role does your faith play, not just in your personal life, but what you do in business? Yeah, as I said earlier, it's all encompassing. There's no way to separate business from your professional life, no more than it is to separate your faith. Uh, my faith is primary in my life. It literally is the number one uh, thing in my life. Uh, my wife is second, then my children, then my grandchildren, then my business, then my church. And it's all in that order. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we'll really uh, engage in our faith, these other things will work themselves out. And so it really highlights the focus on the things that are the most important. So I accepted Christ when, uh, when I was seven years old back many years ago, and it's been just, a uh, the focus of my life. And I just think that, uh, if we focus on those things, it allows us then to develop kind of core values for our own life. And so for me, my core values are relationships matter most. That's my number one core value. No excuses, make it amazing. Everything is figure outable and truth before opinion. And that last core value truth is derived for me, looking through the biblical lens to help us understand our identity is in Christ. And so those are the core values and they came directly out of my faith. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just, it's not a part of my life. It is my life yeah. in everything that I do. Right. I get what you're saying. Now that first core value, you talked about relationships or everything. Uh, that's kind of what I want to hit on right now, because this particular podcast is called Relationships and Revenue. So right. we do spend quite a bit of time talking about that. And so I'm curious, what is it that you're doing right now, Big A, to work on, to grow, to cultivate, to make better the relationships that you deem to be most significant? And what impact do those relationships have on your business? Yeah, well, I have to say and it has been for the course of my 43 year career relationships have always mattered most. And the reason is because it doesn't matter what widget you're selling. It doesn't matter what service you're providing. You're dealing with human beings and it's relational. And I don't want relationships just for what I can get out of it. Because if you have that giving mindset and you're really interested in their well-being, it's going to come back to you. The natural reciprocity is, is that relationship's going to come back to you in spades. There's going to be so many other opportunities. I'm a connector. I spend a vast amount of my time connecting people and I'll say, Hey, John needs to meet Billy or Susie needs to meet Tommy. And I'll go out and make that connection. And I'll say, here's the reason you need to know each other. Or the other thing that we do on a regular basis, like if you're in my community, we're always focused on reaching out, making that human connection, giving birthday wishes. And we have a pretty large community now. We have a pretty big social media following. 
And I have team members that help me with that. I don't do it all yeah. myself. There's no way I could do it all myself, but I orchestrate it. I write the messages, but oftentimes the people that are in my, what I would call inner circle, I'm calling on a regular basis, not when I need something. Let me tell you how most phone calls go. Hey, John, how's it going? Good, man. You doing okay. Your wife doing okay. Kids. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's good. Hey, while I've got you, let me ask you a question. Would you mind connecting me with this person? And I'm like, now we're getting down to why you called me. <laughs> The way it should go is, hey, John, how are you? How's your spouse? How's your children? What can I do for you with relationships and revenue podcast to make your life better? What resource do I have? What connection do I have that you need that would help you? Mm. And then I stop and then I don't say anything else. And they go, wow, really? Yeah. That's why you called me. It's exactly why I called you. Mm. And then when we get off the call, it makes an indelible impression on John because he said, Hey, big, A really does care about me. He didn't ask to borrow my chainsaw. He didn't <laughs> ask to, right. It's like, no, but see nine out of 10 times, we're always asking right for something. That's when we call, if you really want to make an impression on your friends, you call them and do the latter and not the former. And you watch the relationships change. The other thing that I encourage people to do to build relationships is let their story be their story. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Invariably, we're in a conversation. I was in a conversation recently with a guy and I said, Hey, let me show you this picture of uh, a deer that Owen, my grandson killed in my backyard. I said, he's huge. I showed him the deer. He never commented on it. He goes, Oh, let me show you the one my grandson killed. Let me tell you where he killed it. Well, see what he did was cut my legs out. He didn't even acknowledge. Let me tell you what you should do. When people show you a picture, here's how it should go. Man, where did he kill that? Was he in a tree stand? Was he on the ground? Was it his first deer? Did he skin it or did he have it processed? Was he excited? How old is he? How far was the deer away? Now you're like building me up. Now you're like interested, right? Because it was my grandson. All the time, I say to people all the time, hey, man, Robin and I just got back from Oahu. And they go, oh, have you been to Jeremy's Luau? I've been there. And it is, um, see, it's like they're not interested in talking about your trip. They want you to know they've been there. They want you to know they've killed a bigger deer. And see, that's the reason if you really want to build a lasting relationship, you don't have to tell people everything you know. What you've got to do is ask more questions about them. Two tips. Hopefully it'll help you as you build relationships. Oh, for sure. Those are great. You know, um, the way I try to, to look at it with folks is I don't do the ask until I felt like I have made enough deposits into their account that I have with them, that relational account. Sure. I, I feel like I have to make anywhere from eight to 10 deposits before I can even think about yeah. making that one withdrawal attempt. It's the jab, 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 right hook, right? It's the give, the give, the give. Now you've earned the right to ask. Absolutely. Not until then. Oh, for sure. And if you're not used to doing it, it does feel weird at first. I don't mind saying that because it does. But once you get used to it, you actually kind of crave it. Yeah. You like sure. being able to do that because you like being able to get to know somebody better and know things about them because it provides additional points of connection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing is I'm on virtual calls all day long and I keep a notepad, a little mm. post-it note 
And when I hear people make comments about anything that's important to them, I'll make a notation about it. And if I have a connection in that industry, I'll connect them. If they mention something that's really important to them, I'll write it down. Oftentimes there'll be a little gift they'll get. If they mention, Hey, I love, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals or I love <laughs> Kansas city Chiefs. Yeah. You know, you might, they might get a Jersey or, you know, you, you pay attention. It's the little things that move the needle. Mm-hmm. It's the tiny things. I'll tell you a quick story. A few years ago, we were sitting on our couch. It was Christmas Eve and, uh, friends of ours came over and they got a little girl named Amy. And I said, Amy, what are you getting for Christmas? And she hopped up in my lap and she said, Mr. Avery, all I want for Christmas is an easy bake oven. And her mom and dad looked at me and their eyes were big as saucers. And her mom said, Amy, you've not told us that. And she said, well, I told Santa Claus that. And so I was like, uh oh. And so they left the house, you know, and they're like, there's no way we can get to the store. There's no way. So Robin and I jumped up and I told my kids, they were younger. I said, come on. We're going to find an easy bake oven, man. We searched high and low, finally found one right at closing Christmas Eve, wrapped it up, took it to their house about one in the morning, put it out on the patio with a note that says, Hey, Santa forgot this and left it in the sleigh. Oh. And we wanted to give you this. Well, the parents said, Oh my Lord, there is a Santa Claus <laughs> and Amy got her easy bake oven. My point in that is that it forges a relationship with people when you're paying attention. When you're listening to the little things that matter and listen, if you're listening to me out there right now, I want to encourage you. It doesn't cost any money to do little things that matter. Words of encouragement, edifying, doing random acts of kindness. These things are invaluable in building relationships. We wrote another document called 101 random acts of kindness. Hmm. You want to reach out to me. I'll be happy to share that with you as well. And it helps you build relationships along the way. So just have a positive mindset, look outward, connect other people and build those relationships that are second to none. Absolutely. You know, big A something that I like to do with some frequency and it's unfortunately it's not done very much anymore. Um, I like to send handwritten notes or cards. I'm, I'm a big card person. I, I get that from my mother. Uh, I can spend hours in a card store reading cards. It's, it's, a, it's a weird family trait thing that oh, we wow. have. But, That's good. No, but, but we're kind of loud because we like funny cards and we, yeah. we laugh really yeah. loud. So right. <laughs> anyhow, that's, that's something I do with some frequency. All right. I've got a few more questions before we get to our final four. Sure. Uh, the first one is what is one habit that you believe every man or entrepreneur needs to have one habit? Yeah. Morning routine. It's something for decades that I've gone through and five days a week, my routine is the same. It never deviates. It never changes. Nothing takes the place of it. And it usually lasts between one and two hours every morning five days a week. And I do it and have done it for decades. Morning habit. Okay. You know, there'd be nothing worse than to jump up out of the bed, grab a shower, grab a cup of coffee and run out the door and you're not prepared. Mm -hmm. And opportunity happens when you're prepared. And so I would just suggest that you get your day started off and you really accomplish the main things that need to take place. And you can't do that haphazardly running out the door. Excellent point. Excellent point. All right. I, I want to ask you your definition. I'm going to 
propose two different words, and then I want to know if you think they're the same or if they're different. Okay. I want to know how you define failing and failure, and do you view them as the same? Well, first of all, I don't believe in failure. Okay. Uh, so they're not the same because I don't believe in failure. What, what I believe failure is, if there was, is in not trying, not in not succeeding. And so I say that be more fearful of, uh, of, of missing an opportunity than you fear failure. So I think it's just a means by which we learn something didn't work and we pivot and we try it a different way. And so I don't believe in failure. Failing, uh, I, I think that's more of what's going on for some kids in school <laughs> that they may be failing a grade, but as far as failure, the way I think you're posing the question, I think it's, we're learning opportunities that are being created as a result of it, not working the way you thought originally. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I too don't believe they're the same. I believe they are different. Yeah. Um, the way I view them as failing means I tried something new. It didn't work out and I have an opportunity to learn from it. Failure to me is a state of being. It is an active choice I make to do nothing, to stay exactly where I am. Yeah. Now between the two, the second one, I can't help somebody like that. Mm. I can't, but the first one, I can help that person all day long. The reason I didn't even know the definition, the way you prescribed it is because I always pick myself up and move on. So it's never <laughs> an act of sitting down and not doing something. That's why I've got grit and determination and perseverance is because I never don't not go forward. I get that. That's fantastic. All right. Well, we're coming up to our final four, but before we get to that, how, what's the best way for folks to find you? Yeah. Viewfromthetop.com. Yeah. All of our contact information's there. All of our social media is there. Uh, I would encourage your listeners to really check us out on the TuesdayNoon.com. Excuse me. TuesdayNoon.live. TuesdayNoon.live. Okay. And is there anything that's coming up new for you that you would like folks to know about? Yeah. If you're interested in being involved in a mastermind and you're like, man, I really like what you've said. I really like where it's going. Uh, we didn't talk a lot about how our groups are formed and what we do, but it really will take your life to the next level. No question about it. Hands down. Uh, I would also reach out, fill out an application. You and I will get an opportunity to talk through that once you fill out the application to see if you're a good fit. There's no commitment once you fill out the application to see if you're a good fit, but I would like to talk to you to help you grow personally and professionally uh, in every area of your life. And so, yeah, reach out to viewfromthetop.com. An application will pop down, fill that out, and let's have a chat. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Now we're ready for our final four, Big A. You're just going to tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Do it. All right. Here's the first question. Why did God create Big A? Yeah, to help other people transform their lives uh, and go to heights that they've never been before. Love that. Nice, succinct, to the point. Question number two. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? 
Yeah, I've read 10 books in the past eight weeks. Uh, one of the best that I've read is a book called Be Exceptional by Joe Navarro. And he talks about how to master the five traits that really set extraordinary people apart. And I can't recommend it highly enough. There's another one that I just read called 10 Rules for Resilience by Joe DeSena. He's the guy that started the Spartan race mm. and, uh, is teaching, uh, us and our children to really have resilience. So those two books are excellent reads. Perfect. And folks, we'll be sure to include that in the show notes for you. Uh, question number three, it's kind of a two-parter. What do you do for fun? And what do you and your wife do for fun? Yeah. Robin and I love to travel. We've uh, been blessed to be able to do the majority of the cruises around the country, primarily the Caribbean, Alaska. We just did a Mexican Riviera cruise. So we really enjoy traveling and we've done that our entire marriage. Um, I love to fish. I've fished competitively for 35 years. And wow. so I really enjoy fishing. I'm usually three or four mornings a week on the lake. And so I love to fish. Okay. Yeah. See, there's, I learned something about you today. I didn't know you did it competitively. So yeah, 35 years. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Okay. And final question. What are you most grateful for? Uh, the first thing that came to my mind is what we've already talked about is my salvation, uh, my relationship with Christ. I'm most grateful for that. Have many other things, but you asked for the first thing that I thought of, okay. and that was it. Give me two more then. Top three. Yeah. Robin is probably uh, my biggest advocate. We started dating in high school. Two weeks out of high school, we got married. We were bro both broker than a convict when we got married <laughs> and she stood right by my side in every decision that I've made. She's mm. been right there to support me. So she's very unusual. She's been very supportive and I'm very grateful for her. Third of all would probably be the close relationships that I've forged over the years. Um, they're always there. The people that I can count on the most because I've spent the time building the relationships. And they say, if you've got one or two really close friends in a lifetime, you've accomplished something. And I would say I've got dozens, if not hundreds of relationships that are unbelievably close. And so I do value relationships above everything. And I think it's been one of the key, uh, keys to my life in having the level of success and significance that I've had. Mm, love that. Love that. Well, big A, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate your life and what you've done with it and what a significance your life has meant to me and to scores of others. What you do makes a difference. I want you to know that. That's really important. And people are paying attention. Yeah. And you've made me feel so welcome today, John. Thank you. Uh, thank the listeners on Relationships and Revenue. I've uh, really enjoyed being with you today. It's been an honor. Thanks for being here. And thank you all for paying attention today and for checking out what we are doing. Uh, again, everything we've talked about as far as resources is concerned will be in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for being here. and We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. 
Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.